Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 77 of the Coach Fury Podcast. We're back after taking a break last week, and I'm very excited to have my buddy, Joe Boffy, co-founder and fellow comic book nerd from Catalyst Sport on the show. With Joe finally being on this show, we have all three founders present here now in our library. So Jason Kapnick, Kathy Dooley, and now Joe Boffy are the co-founders of Catalyst Sport in Midtown Manhattan. If you know me, if you've taken a course with me, Catalyst and MFF Bowery are where the majority of my courses are held in the city. And it is where I do my independent training in Midtown Manhattan. So I either train here at Fury Industries in Brooklyn or there. And Joe is usually there in the mornings. And uh, the guy that whenever something new in the comic book world comes out, we chat about it. So I'm excited for this one. This, this podcast gets real nerdy in the beginning and gets more fitnessy as we go. Uh, but it is like a perfect example of what I love about Joe Boffy and uh, doing the show. So thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with the break. Uh, we are back on a normal schedule. Let's talk about me, because that's normal too. Workshops coming up. My friend Nancy Halleck from the Kettlebell Fitness Center out by Albany reached out about doing a DVRT workshop. And for those that know me, Nancy and her crew there are old friends. They were literally, a bunch of them were at the first DVRT workshop I ever taught. And you know who was there uh, backing me up? That was my brother from another, fellow DVRT master instructor, James Newman. And I started realizing James and I have not taught together in a while. And we used to back each other up all the time. So to make this DVRT workshop extra special for our friends out at the Kettlebell Fitness Center, James and I are teaming up. We're going to go teach this, co-teach this one. So on April 28th, the DVRT workshop, that's a four-hour workshop from 11 to 3 p.m. at the Kettlebell Fitness Center in Del Mar around Albany. James Noon and I are teaching that one. Uh, come on down. This is going to be a good one. It's a great facility. It's a great group of people. And James and I uh, just are super pumped to teach together. So come to that one. DVRT Workshop, Kettlebell Fitness Center, outside Albany, April 28th. Then June 9th, Original Strength is back in the city. Look, the last one sold out. We want to sell this one out. I love teaching OS. This will be the first one I teach. As a master instructor, look at the titles. He's got a big title now. So I'm going to be teaching that one. That's June 9th at uh, MFF Bowery. Then June 15th, I return to see my friend Tina and the crew at MSC Strength in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Uh, that's going to be June 15th for Original Strength Pressing Reset. I love seeing the uh, Boston crew, although it's technically the outside of Boston crew. So come on down for that one. Now, we just had an awesome sold-out RKC at Marco Guanillo's awesome spot, Momentum Fitness. Thank you, Marco. Marco and I are talking about now how to bring, uh, I shouldn't say how to bring, when to bring DVRT Level 1 and Level 2. The dates aren't locked yet, but if you're interested, it's looking like July. It's looking like it's going to be mid to late July for DVRT Level 1 and Level 2. The HKC One Day Kettlebell Cert, August 18th at Mark Fisher Fitness Bowery, and then Really excited to go see my friend Dustin Ripito and his wife Kenzie and meet the crew at ACWA Tulsa. On Saturday, September 7th, we're going to do Original Strength. And then Sunday, September 8th, we're going to do a DVRT workshop out there. And then we come back. And on the October 26th through the 27th, we're going to do an RKC back at Catalyst Sport. Uh, perfect timing with Joe being on the show. So that's a lot of what's going on here. I want to give a massive shout out to the Fury crew. I had uh, seven members of the crew pass their RKCs this weekend, whether it was the members of the class crew, online crew, personal training, or combinations of all of the above. Uh, it was really great to see them in action. With that, when a cert closes, I tend to have a couple of online training spots open up. So I have two now. Originally, when I posted on Facebook last week, it was three. Now it is two. So uh, if you're interested in training with me, uh, come on down. Hit me up, PM me, email me, or come to Fury Industries and take a class. Alex Santos, thanks for visiting um, and taking a class with us. Lots of cool stuff going on, and I just love this little sub-family that's brewing of not just members of the Fury crew as being our membership, but also as fellow peers and trainers that can all learn from each other. Real cool little mini group forming. So that is enough. That is enough about all of my stuff. Um, take a moment, though, if you can. 
and just drop a review or a rating. If you're on your phone app, scroll to the bottom of the Coach Fury podcast thing and hit a five-star rating. And I will love you. And the next time I see you, I will give you a high five. And if I don't give you a high five, say, hey, Fury, you owe me a high five. And then I will take care of that. Uh, Enough of the shenanigans. Joe Boffy on the Coach Fury podcast. (laughs) We'll use our words. We'll use our words to express our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts together, Joe. How's that? Perfect. I'm glad (laughs) you can't see that I have my hands down my shorts. Uh, I'm glad you can't see that I'm recording already. I can see it. It says recording. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't Um, mind. Hey, first of all, for the, for the listeners, congrats. Tell the listeners what big event just happened for you. Uh, my wife had a baby uh, on the 17th of February. So he's not even three weeks old yet. I think that's what he's alluding to. <laughs> the way you said he's alluding to, it sounded like, was the baby alluding to something or was I? Both. <laughs> <laughs> congrats. How's the, how's the dynamic at home shifted now? Um, I just have to ask for permission if I want to go do anything or get on a podcast for an hour. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much how it works. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, man. I'm happy for the three of you. So congrats. Thank and you. then um, let's get past the baby talk and just cut right to it. Joe, why am I your favorite? Um, it's really just the beard and the glasses together. What happens when I don't have the beard? Oh, you drop down a couple of notches. Oh, so that really is the combination. Yeah, it's got to be both together. <laughs> this is, see, folks, this has gotten deep already. Um, <laughs> here's, here's something I wanted to talk about, though, in, in all seriousness. So, listeners, Joe and I, um, we actually haven't talked about this, but you meet a lot of cool people in fitness, and, and people become your friends, become close friends. But there's like a bunch of them that maybe we wouldn't have hung out with in high school. And I think Joe and I would have hung out in high school because Joe is a legit comic nerd um, like I was as opposed to sort of like it's I don't want to judge anybody, but it's very trendy to be a comic geek now where back in the day it was not. So can you remember, Joe, what was your first like what 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 experience made you fall in love with the comic books or a comic book shop? Um, it was just like that escape to that fantasy kind of world where anything's kind of possible and you could be, you know, bigger, better, greater than just like a normal person and just the cool shit they did, um, in all the, in all the books just drew me in. And that's actually what got me into fitness to be honest with you is like I wanted to look like a superhero and I wanted to do martial arts like a superhero and um kind of just yeah fell in love with awesome do you what was the first book or character you fell in love with um in book was probably like the early 90s x-men um along with like the the cartoon when that was on TV, like that was one of the best cartoons ever. Yeah. Um, and then the one that I collected and still kind of collect on and off is Spawn, um, right from issue one. Um, I think I have one through 100 and something. I think they just got to like 300 recently. Wow. And, and does the book hold up? Uh, it went through some ups and downs um, around 100. It started to get really like kind of cheesy and they brought it back around. It went into like a horror phase for a while. Like it was trying to be a horror book. Uh, Actually, it went into like before that, it went into a lot of, it was all devils and gods and all that kind of stuff. And not to be a spoiler, but God, uh, Spawn became like God and destroyed everything. And then it all came back together. It got very strange. And it was kind of when I lost interest a little bit and then they brought it back and there's actually going to be a new movie, new live action movie that's going to be um, very horror based where you may not even actually see Spawn much, um, but he's going to be played by Jamie Foxx, I think. Oh, wow. I mean, that's good casting for it. He loves it. He was he was a big Spawn fan um, while growing up, too, apparently. So like, he wants to be Al Simmons. Man, 
I loved Spawn. So it's funny. We just watched, there's a, I think it was on Amazon Prime. There's a documentary on the creation of Image Comics. And that is when, so like you're 92 era, I'm more of an 80s kid. I'm older than you. So I remember like that was the, you know, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee. So the 90s X-Men would be very much like um, the Qbert, you know, the Qberts and and Jim Lee. And on X-Factor, you had Will Sportaccio. And when all of that image stuff broke, like I have multiple copies like everybody did of all the first issues. I probably have like seven copies of Spawn 1. And, and like you, I read up to 100, maybe a little after. And then I just felt like most, I, I, I can't remember the storyline and why I was falling out with it in specifics. It's been so long, but yeah, I fell out of it and stopped collecting. But I don't think people realize what an important book that was, or, or at least what McFarlane brought to the table. And, you know, most of the action figure collecting right now, people, people look at it in terms of it being about Star Wars figures and stuff. But it was really, in a way, McFarlane launched that idea of like collecting action figures and those toys were crazy looking. Like he was so into it. They were so much more detailed than like any other action figure out there. Yeah, I had the first few lines of the Spawn series of the Spawn figures. The problem was then he's also, I wouldn't say, I don't know, Todd, I love you. I don't take this personally if you listen, randomly listen to this. But they were the first ones that I heard of like intentional variants, right? Like at that era of the 90s, early mid 90s, everything was about variant covers and then all of a sudden there were variant colors of figures and variant positions or head sculpts and it, it kind of did the damage that still lives to some degree i think in toy collecting that comic books seem to have gotten away with remember like how there used to be like here's your ash can black and white cover here's your hologram cover there's four hologram covers here's your sealed cover here's i mean one. they still do that with spawn you oh could, do they yeah if you look it up if you go to like midtown comics uh like whatever their website is, you could buy variant comics for all of the spawn issues for some of them are just a regular price, like three bucks. And then some of them are like 50, 60, 80 bucks. Depends on who the artist was. Wow. Yeah. I, I, that I found frustrating. I definitely got sucked into it for a while and somewhere, remember wizard magazine yep. somewhere I have a bunch of the wizard used to be packed with like hologram cards and somewhere I have a bunch of those in little cases that are probably worth like, you know, 50 cents a piece now. <laughs> you find the right guy, you can sell him for $5. $5? No way. <laughs> I sold my entire magic card collection maybe two years ago for a cup of coffee. Now that makes me sad because you must have had a few cards in there worth money though. Now, I went through them and there was nothing. I, there was like two that I thought maybe and like, meh, not really. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize. How have we not talked about playing magic? Because um, we're trying to, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a dark spot in my mind at this point. It's funny. I got really into magic. I was working at a comic book shop around the time third edition came out. So I was really, magic was really new and big. And we would, you know, lay out foam core on top of the back issues. This was the Heroes World in Nassau, in, oh, sorry, in Levittown, Nassau County, Long Island. And we'd play and we used to have this dude who would come in with these binders of the, you know, of all the cards and all the hard to find cards. And we'd buy stuff off of him and try to trade stuff. And I don't even remember how I got rid of all of them, but I was cleaning out my mom's shed and I found like a small little like card case, you know, like one of those little plastic things. Yeah. And uh, there's a bunch of them in there, but I, I can't imagine they're, they're worthwhile, but I'm like afraid, afraid to just say, I feel like I am the dude who, Buy something cool, knows it's cool, and then gets just bored with it and sells it really cheap. <laughs> and I mean, you can just, look it up online. All the prices are there. Yeah, it's, it's a pain in the ass, though. Like, uh, in the early 90s, Toys R Us came out with this, like, line of G.I. Joe figures called Night Force, and they were all, like, black and fluorescent red. And I had a bunch of them. And, uh, you know, I sold them at a yard sale, probably for, like, 20 bucks a piece. And each one of those goes for anywhere, like, from 100 to 500 bucks in good condition now. And I'm like... Oh, I know mine were in good condition because I wasn't playing with them at that point. I was already collecting them, but I just get bored or I'm like, I need space. And it's like, damn you, Brooklyn, you're forcing me to shed stuff that I love. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm just like giving it away. I, I get mad at myself sometimes about that. And I'm also like, yeah, it's, it's how it goes. Yeah. Just um, sell it, sell all the things. What was the name of your local comic book shop? Like what was the spot that you would hit? Uh, 
I don't know the name of it. I know it was in the back of the AMP shopping center. I could picture it. I could picture the uh, the like garden pot things outside that we used to try and ollie on across the. <laughs> I can't think of the name of the shop though. Um, yeah. But I used to buy my comics from the next town over because the prices were better. Really? They were marking up comic books or back issues? Uh, all of it. It was just like a cheaper, it was further away. It was the next town over. It was May of Pack Cards and Comics. And they were just cheaper than the one that was in in my town. I don't really, wow. I don't really know why. It's, it was a bummer. Like every now and then I go home and we, we were visiting around my dad's birthday and we had this like window of time to kill and I tried to find like a local like all of my local comic book shops are basically closed like they're all gone and there's a couple all of comic book shops are all closed almost there's, everywhere there's still like there's one I think it's called Stinky's Comics it's actually near Chris Cooper who's been a, a guest here in, in Massapequa it's actually like across Sunrise Highway from his gym but it's like really tiny I'm not dissing it it's just tiny and I'm one of those guys like I remember when I first found comic book shops and Heroes World was basically like one of, was the top one for me. But it was the combination of not just comic books, but the toys. So if a, if a comic book shop doesn't have toys, I'm sort of thrown off by it in a little bit because they're so entwined. Because, you know, you mentioned the G.I. Joe cartoon, but like G.I. Joe cartoons and toys, I remember when those first came out, like they were not a common item and you would only find those originally at like, when they did come out, it would be like something super hard to find and it would show up at a comic book shop until uh, that cartoon really blew up and then the, the boom of all the Marvel figures, which I guess hasn't stopped. Yeah, so I just, it's like, I love that idea of like just walking into the universe of like, here's all the nerdy shit. And I, there's something about, you know, I, I wish I could get out of sort of the, the urge to toy collect, but there's just something about having that physical representation in front of me that's that resonates. But I'm also like, you know, I know it's a financial suck. It's a time suck, but yeah, I've had to kind of like stop collecting comic books. It's so hard. They're so expensive after a while. Like the one issue isn't expensive, but then if you want to know what happens in the story, you have to keep reading all the issues and it just takes forever. And this just adds up so quickly. Yeah. It was the, when I, when I decided to become a full-time trainer, that was like one of the, the, the first that, well, I shouldn't say one of, that was the first big expense of mine that like went away. And I basically, once that decision happened and it's coming up on eight years ago, the only thing I still regularly get has been like walking dead trades, like just the, the collections, but not even single issues. And every now and then I get something like I've gone through, you know, I, I caught up on Goon, um, Grace Cavallo turned me on to Saga, which I'm a little bit behind now, but like, I, I still love it as a medium, but I, I think when people... You know, it's a, a good little swerve on this. We're going to go see Captain Marvel tomorrow, right? So you, so Joe and I, like, we, we, we're usually in the mornings at Catalyst. He, Joe's one of the co-owners of Catalyst Sport in the city where I do my independent training when I'm in the city and have done, like, the majority of my courses at, at their place. It's, it is another one of my – a few home-away-from-home spots, really. In terms of fitness for me, it's, like, my home, Fury Industries, it's Catalyst, and then Mark Fisher Fitness. And uh, Joe and I were always like, if something new superhero comes out, we catch up on it. And the thing with comic books, and you mentioned about Spawn and how I'm, I'm really excited to see Captain Marvel is when people get caught up on movies or how they're not good anymore or this or that, people forget that like, you could be like, a, like I'm an X-Men guy. Like that was my hero book. Wolverine and Colossus are my two favorite superheroes. And that book would go through runs where it was just awful. And not just yeah. one book being awful, but you had like seven X-Men titles that were all like, we, we, you know, maybe one was pretty good, but the rest were, were pretty mediocre. And you're spending like three to five bucks an issue times four issues a month and just waiting for that good arc. And then when it comes in, it's like such a cool thing. Like some new character just comes in and suddenly it sticks. And I think there's this weird expectation where people want the movies to all be so great. And to some degree, Marvel pulls that off. But even when there's like a, you know, when, when it's less about Marvel, when people crap on the Star Wars spinoff movies or, you know, the, the new trilogy. It's Which like, are great. You know, I mean, Rogue One, I think, is, my, is the third best Star Wars movie. I'm going to put that one potentially in front of Jedi. I think that's actually a perfect movie. 
I think Solo is fantastic. Um, Solo was good. Yeah, it was super entertaining. I think it was like on character, on story. Like, not gonna yeah. make everybody happy. It was a good movie. For 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 all the pitfalls that that could have been, and then Last Jedi. You know, I, I do like I, I do love a lot about it. I, it is not a repeat view one. Like history is like in terms of like my passion for that movie, but it is definitely not what I had hoped for in a way. It was just different. Um, but when people are like, you're killing your childhood and stuff, I'm like, pick any comic book. And somebody could say that about any like four year long run of mediocrity. Yeah. Or when and the artist changes, like I'm all about the art actually. That was one of the other things I was always into. I like sketching and stuff like that. And um, my friends and I would sit down and just sketch superheroes like for hours. But like, um, sometimes the artists would change and then it would just like, the story might be okay, but the art was terrible. And you're just like, what's happening? Like, stop, go go back. Yeah, it's it's tricky when, it's also a bummer when you get really attached to one artist and then like the story starts bouncing into other books, you know, when it's a crossover land and you don't have the whole contained thing by that one artist who is your favorite comic book artist of all time uh i like wilch or todd todd mcfarland wilch portachio or um yeah those probably like my top two i like the way wilch did um hulk he did hulk like three years three four years ago i thought that was like my favorite hulk run was really good. I haven't seen much of his stuff in a while. He was big on, I, I was a big fan of his X Factor run. And then was, what was his image book? Was it Wetworks? That was one of them. And then he did um, something that looked like the X-Men. I can't think of it, what the name of it was. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd probably go with Jim Lee. I'd have to go, actually, I'd have to go with like a, Steve Buscema or sorry, and, and, and Dicko, like, uh, sorry, Steve, Steve Dicko is probably going to go down as one of my favorites. I'm, I'm murdering some names right now. <laughs> Jim Lee, I think is definitely one of the few guys whose style from the eighties, from the nineties actually carries over, you know, cause like some of those things were like super trendy and didn't quite hold up in time, but he's so clean on a lot of stuff. And I'm a big Eric Larson fan. Like that cat's just got a lot of talent. Which seems so obvious to say now. Uh, Savage Dragon, folks. Listen, to st- this is probably the nerdiest episode we've had. And it's like, <laughs> I'm kind of proud of us, Joe. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, could dirt out for sure. Nice. Uh, let's I hope talk you about like Captain Marvel, by the way. What was that? I hope you like Captain Marvel. Did you see it? I, I have like an insider friend who saw it. He was disappointed, but he's taking his daughter to see it soon. So, yeah, we're going to the 1220 at the Alamo tomorrow. I'm excited. It looks good. The one thing I'll say with Marvel that I really enjoyed about the movies that is clearly DC still struggles with is a, is a combination of pacing and, and, and visualization of the story. It's not even just like, how do you interweb and are we brushing? But there's just something when DC sets a tone of a film, it's super heavy handed, where Marvel seems to allow the films too. I know some, to some degree, they're sometimes more flat overall, more realistic lighting, but the way they're able to express the powers is pretty breathtaking. Like if you look at Dr. Strange. Well, did you see the trailer, the way that Captain Marvel looks? It looks amazing. amazing. Yeah. That like, and and the same, the whole color palette with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. That was cool. So I'm stoked to see it. We'll see again though, like in the, in the realm of, I think people look at movies so differently than comic books where they're, they're, they're looking at a movie must be amazing where a comic book should just be entertaining, you know, yeah. like forget that value of it of just getting lost in the world. So right now at Marvel, I'm just kind of excited to continue going on in this world and see where it goes with Endgame, Uh, and then whatever's going to happen after that, they, they're talking about this Eternals movie coming out and I can't even fathom how they're going to visualize that, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Um, let's talk fitness. Okay. What do you like about fitness? I'm kidding. That's really a vague question. (laughs) Um, as, as, as we're completing the Pokemon cards or the magic cards, making a full killer, uh, deck of magic cards right now, you're the final piece of catalyst ownership crew here. We've had Jason Kavnick and Kathy Dooley on folks. You should listen to those episodes. How did you meet those guys? Um, so I met Kathy Dooley first. Um, 
I went to actually I was taken on my birthday by our mutual friend uh, Ari to a strength seminar in Manhattan that she was uh, hosting in someone else's place. Um, and I had tweaked my back and I wanted to get assessed and we just kind of like had the same fitness philosophies, you know, we, so we started referring patients and clients back and forth to each other. Um, and they kept that relationship going. And then, so back in the New York sports club days, you could train at different New York sports clubs. It didn't matter which one you trained at. And I had moved over to the location on Madison and 36th and I was there for a little bit. And then there was this new floor trainer that was there. He was all like jacked and hulked out and we got <laughs> along really well. Like he helped me out with some barbell stuff. I helped him out with some kettlebell stuff. And it turns out that that was Jason Kapnick. And um, we've just been friends since. That must have been like eight years ago or so. Um, and then I introduced him to Kathy. They started referring people back and forth. Um, that's kind of how that started. And then I met you because Kathy, I think Ari guided Kathy towards me for, to help her train for her SFG2. And then I started dealing with some back issues. So I referred myself to Kathy and then she squeezed me in in a session with both you and Joe at, was it at that New York sports club? On Madison? So we were, yeah, we were upstairs in that little like mezzanine. <laughs> All basically laying on massage tables waiting to get treated by her. Which so. was like totally, I don't know, illegal or like, <laughs> like there was, uh, like she wasn't even a member. I walked her into the gym and we just like went inside and like the manager was like, yeah, just um, go in a corner and don't say anything to anybody. <laughs> like we were getting like medically treated in some weird mezzanine level of New York sports club. Yeah, I remember we were just sort of like on the mezzanine, like off to the side, and um, the railing was near us, if, if my memory serves me correct. Yeah, it was small. It wasn't like... Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, so that was the first time that I met the two of you. And, uh, and then through that, you guys had reached out about showing you Indian clubs. And so you came to Five Points and did an hour of Indian club training with me. But yeah. then within this time, you know, I was still, Kathy was still training with me. I was still seeing Kathy. And... You you and Jason didn't do this, but Kathy would drop these hints about using the word catalyst. But she wouldn't say like what was happening. <laughs> but she'd be like, yeah, it's a catalyst or you need to be a catalyst or something. Like however she worded it, like she would drop that word. And I was like, oh, they're going to do something. They're going to do she something. She was a big fan of that word. She's still a big fan, but like it was definitely in her vocabulary every other word if possible. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, she opened up about what you guys were trying to do. And, and, and you know, clearly, I think, finding a space is a struggle for everybody in New York. I think it's probably one of the harder towns to find a space. Um, it just takes patience. Like it took us, I don't know, eight months or more. And like just, we went back to this place. We saw it once in the beginning and we kind of were like, meh, eh, let's see what's out that's out there. It could be better. And then in the end it was still vacant and we ended up going back to that spot. So and, and you know, don't, you don't need to tell the listeners this, but you got a really good deal on that spot. I was shocked when I, I can't remember if it was you or if it was Jason told me the price you're paying. And I was like, that's amazing. And that is worth the wait. I think eight months is even still pretty lucky, actually, to find a place relatively that quick. Um, yeah, but I knew the previous tenant of the spot. Actually, he was one of my clients. And, oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was, it was a chiropractor. And, um, he's still in the building actually he's like on the eighth floor now but he moved out of that spot and it was vacant for like three years or something so they were super happy when we wanted to move in hence the good deal yeah it's crazy like it's such a hard it's hard for me to grasp with how expensive some things are that some things are still empty in a way right like a good deal spot you'd imagine is just going to get zipped up real quick because everything else is so gnarly expensive like the place below me in, in our building, I, I don't know how many square feet it is. It's, it's pretty big, but it's like, they'd have to really do a good build out on it. It's, it's raw. It had a construction company underneath. It's like, you know, the, the floors aren't only raw cement, they're chipped up. It's uneven. 
they pull shit out of the ceilings and stuff. And uh, that sounds like a good spot, actually. I mean, they, I mean, they it had could to put be, patches but, on the floor for us, and you know, then they put the rubber on top of it. And... Yeah, they, they they want like six thousand for it though, which maybe per square footage is all right, but uh, man, sounds that's high. like. I, I won't have enough, you know, you think, you know, the, the fitness land is, is like the big mistake. I think a lot of people go and, and what I love about your spot is people tend to want to grow their membership into a space, then grow the space around the membership. And, you know, you, once you get that space, that's too big or more importantly, too pricey, there's no guarantee you're going to get enough members to fill it in, in any period of time. So that stuff scares me. I mean, I would love if that place was really, I don't want to say cheap, but, but more reasonable in my opinion, or like was some sort of like, great, you're a tenant of the building kind of deal. I would do anything I could to try to rent it. It would be amazing to be literally walk downstairs and go to my gym, you know, that'd be yeah, for sure. living the dream, but it's too much money. Um, and that's not your fault. I think a timing is important too. Like uh, for us, we got very lucky. We're so for everybody that doesn't know, Catalyst is on Broadway between Times Square and Herald Square. Um, and at the time, this was five years ago. The area was kind of desolate feeling when you went outside. There wasn't like that many food places. It wasn't like super clean. But in the last five years, they've closed parts of the road added like outside seating and there's like food places popping up all over the place so I think we got lucky that we got in like right before this little like you know bubble of uh, construction and stuff and improvements went on um, so that timing is important too you just have to make sure it's the right time for the place that makes sense because around the time you got like the Virgin Megastore was closed already right or had it just closed it had, it had been closed already uh, it's been closed for a while. Yeah, it's that been a while now. Yeah, Times Square is such an interesting area because it's so business oriented that, you know, you guys are closed on Sundays. Like, there's not a lot of people that actually live in the immediate neighborhood, but there's definitely people in the neighborhood. All but the eateries and stuff are closed on Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard. Like the, the restaurants are closed and like the delis are closed. Yeah, it's tricky. The beautiful thing though is, is like every time I teach at your place, if I drive in, I could park right in front of your place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of wonderful. But I, I love your spot. We were actually talking about. I just we we had some some people from the RKC, uh, Meg Hopkins, Alex Santos, and, and Caitlin Lavelle were here, and uh, we were just talking about gyms and facilities and, and in terms of space and, and uses your space, uses your space. You guys do a lot with a very clean business model that I know has, you know, progressed over the year. Um, but you make a lot out of your square foot space. If somebody was thinking about opening up a gym, uh, and I'm not talking about like, as if I have a friend and that friend is me, but just in general, if there was a piece of advice <laughs> you could give somebody that was opening up a gym, uh, business model considerations. Cause I don't know if people really think about like per square foot. I think people tend to think about gear right? Like, can I fit this here? Can I fit that there? Versus like, how, how, how much can I profit off of almost every square foot or every, you know, section of flooring? Yeah, I mean, it all really depends on the type of fitness that you're into. Um, we don't use any equipment. We use kettlebells, barbells, and body weight stuff. So we tried to build everything out on the perimeter and leave the center open for moving and keeping the, like, the feel and flow of it like it's not very large I was very can tell you but um it kind of just flows along the edges and in the middle you're just kind of like open um it gives you a lot more um uh diversity of what you could use the space for that's how we are able to have some workshops have talks and stuff in the uh on the weekends and everything like that um but even Getting like outside opinions is important too. Uh, I was lucky, or I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. So to use those skills to help us design the layout. And I did refer back to an architecture friend I have. So it's like, just because you think it's really good, I would say just make sure to get an outside opinion because they'll think of things that you don't think of. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always better to just, get a bunch of opinions. Um, and when you have like three or four that line up, that's probably the one to go with. 
And how, how much square footage answered your question whatsoever? No, I mean, I think it helps. So what's the square footage, not of the whole space, but of, of the training area? Uh, it's like 1200 to 1300 square feet. Wow, it's bigger than I thought. You really do. Uh, uh, you know what? It, actually, it's probably, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm mistaken. I'm sorry. Um, 1300 square feet is with the offices included, I think. Um, I believe it's, it's like 30 by 33 is okay. the footage. If you were to, so like 600 square feet, I think. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, and you, I mean, we've had 18 person, I think that first RKC we did was 18 people. And I've seen pictures of Kathy doing the NKT workshops there and they're packed. And She's done like 45 people um, wow. with like treatment tables all over the place. That's crazy. But yeah, it's like, you know, when people think of what they're capable of doing within a space, what I like about Catalyst is it really shines above. You know, it's like you, you guys really do make a lot out of a little. And it's not that it's that small, you know what I mean? Like some of those, you know, some of the small gyms you see, it's, it's almost like a storage space, you know, like a tiny smart storage space and not dissing those folks either. Um, but I think that's one of those considerations. Kind of what you got, right? Yeah. When I, when I'm looking at places and, and again, I'm not actively looking to rent right now, but I'm starting to gauge like how much is rent? What parts of my neighborhood is it? And I look at like, what, what could I do? Like when I look at an empty space, a lot of them on my street are very small, probably in the 300 square foot or under. I'm like, well, how many people could be in there? Now, clearly that's too small. Cause that's but like, I would have to be a one-on-one -on -one training person um, as opposed to like an actual facility. But um, you start thinking like, all right, how can I space this out? What can I make happen here? And how much is the rent? How many people do I need? What do I need to charge to make this successful? And you know that the moment will come. If any listeners have like a, a quarter of a million dollars they want to invest into a two-year business plan, um, you know, giving us not not a business for two years, but to get us up and rolling for two years um, to build it, uh, it's Coach Fury at gmail.com because <laughs> I think that would be what would safely be like a, a two-year like crutch to make you know to 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 make something happen. Um, but that, that would be on like the prime level. And then there's the other level under it where I just get like a really small space and, and make shit happen similar to what I'm doing at Fury Industries right now. Um, It'll happen. Yeah, man, I feel like it, I, 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 you know, it, it's really crazy. So today we, we, I taught an RKC and Momentum Fitness over the weekend. And, you know, I've taught a bunch and you've been a part of them. It's one of the, one of the great things about, you know, being involved is how often we've been in, in courses together. Um, both not only like assisting or going through, like we've taken stuff together and, you know, I, I, I trained like seven people that passed their RKCs on that one out of 24, seven had been either online training with me, personal training with me or doing classes. Um, and congrats to Chantel Perry who passed a catalyst trainer who passed her, her RKC did, did the place proud. Uh, and then I did an in-service yes, yes, one. She worked really hard. Yeah, we saw her in June, you know, like they were kind of like the, the, the crew, like uh, Chantel would be warming up and getting started while, while June was, was wrapping up. And I just think, you know, there's this momentum that's happening and then, a few, you know, two of them are still class members. So they're coming here and taking classes. So I have a class, it, this whole realm of trainers that are coming over to train with me as well as, you know, my neighbors, I, I just got to translate that into some more people in the neighborhood. And then I just know that this place is, you know, I don't want to say like it's guaranteed success, but I'm diminishing the risk. And I think that's like important. Like I, I would never expect this to not be super risky, but I'm trying to do that risk assessment with the proof of concept. The interesting thing is, is pretty much everybody at this point is telling me not to raise, is, is don't raise my rates on them, but that I'm charging too little. And that's something that you don't really hear a lot, you know, like people don't yeah, like- we've talked about that before. You should yeah. raising the rates on the newer members. Yeah, I, I did when I got the original strength promotion to master, I, I did raise my rates for the first time in a long time. I, I, I sometimes since I train so many trainers, I, I know the financial struggles, you know, that, that, that comes with like hiring a trainer um, to train themselves. Cause I, I just know like one That's hour. Sliding scale for, uh, yeah. It depends on who you are. And, and I had that for a little while. And then there was a point where I just balanced it out. So it was the same for everybody. Like the punk rocker in me was like, I don't feel right doing that. You know, like what if somebody gen pop doesn't make a lot of money either. 
Um, but then I also realized like, wow, I've been like just keeping my rate the same now for three years and boosted it up. And now I have a little bit of a sliding like uh, legacy scale, if that makes sense. It's not so much um, what your career is based. It's more on like, have you been training with me? How long and, and, and moving forward? But um, I don't even know where I'm going with I'm that. Sure you talked I, about it with, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure you talked about it with Jason, but uh, the whole risk thing, you're always going to have risk. But like the reason why we were able to, you know, we opened it with a full clientele base. Yeah. Between myself and Jason and Kathy's client, uh, patients, we were able to like cover rent from day one. Which so is just amazing. Being, being able to do that, um, making sure your situation is the right situation, uh, you know, mitigates the most amount of risk, right? So if you're not operating in the red from day one, you're more likely to succeed. So if you could set yourself up somehow that way. Um, Were you guys able to, to try. give yourself salary? Were you cutting checks first year for yourself? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so the way we do it, the whole part of the reason that convinced us to do it was we did the math and like, you know, Jason and I were doing 20 to 30 sessions a week each. And we knew what rate all of our members or all of our clients were paying New York Sports Club. And we were like, why are we paying New York Sports Club's rent when we could pay our own rent and make the same amount of money as a personal trainer? So like we weren't making like exorbitant amounts of money um, when we first opened or we're still not right now. Um, we were just making personal trainers salaries, you know, um, we still are now, but, um, yeah, the amount we were giving over in percentages to New York sports club didn't make sense to stay there. Why would you stay there? Yeah. To a lesser degree, that's kind of what happened with me with MFF. It wasn't so much about rent, but it was in terms of like, I need to maximize my hourly value. And I couldn't do that working for somebody per se, you know, cause they pay well too for, 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 you know, staff, but in terms of what I could do one-on-one -on, -one on my own, it was just the dollar per hour is higher here. And, uh, it has it, the trick with me has been consistency. I mean, you've seen it like just in over my time at catalyst where I go from having like, you know, two sessions a week to, to zero for like two months. And then, well, not zero cause Jack's always there, but, uh, you know, lately it's been a lot more often where Tuesday, Thursday mornings. And the nice thing is that now like that is my window. I'm there Tuesday, Thursday mornings. And that's the only time I'm coming into the city really to do anything, um, which is nice. And I'm looking forward to your new bathrooms being done now that they're renovating the bathrooms. By the way. I'm very <laughs> Have you seen the ones that upstairs? Yeah, man. Yeah. They have like super trippy walls and special edition sinks and shit. <laughs> I didn't notice the special edition things. <laughs> is it a hologram? Cover? Like, is it like a McFarland special edition? It's weird. They're like, they have little troughs and like they're angled and then the water like goes inside under the sink before it goes away. It's so strange. Like, oh, I had, I had totally, now I'm going to be staring at that the next time I go to work. Like why, why did we go through the effort to make a sink do this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about this. So in addition to, you know, comic books and all that stuff, and I didn't even know you were a skateboarder. Um, let's talk I about. Pretended and tried for a little while. Well, I mean, if you have the story of trying to ollie on like a flower pot thing, like that's legit. You tried, yeah. you did And then it. I went to BMX biking and I tried that for a little while. Yeah, I'm still trying to regain any sort of skill on both of them. I'm, I'm just, I've so devolved my ability. <laughs> over the years but i'm heading out to uh os pro in north carolina on friday and chris jones who's the, one of the instructors there is uh also a skater so he's going to take me to daniel durr's skate park in north carolina daniel durr's is like some big x games dude so uh i'm actually flying with my board for the first time ever uh i nice. used to sometimes have my board fedexed out to me um, uh -huh. back in the visual effects days if i worked in california i would have the board FedEx to my hotel first and then FedEx back. So I didn't uh, have to carry it or deal with, uh, you know, any TSA things, but apparently you can bring skateboards on the plane. Um, yeah, it's like a carry on probably. Carry yeah. On. I bought this bag, this, you know, how do you pronounce it? Rucka, you know, the logo is like RVCA or RCVA, whatever. Yeah. Rucka bag that uh, has straps on the bottom. So I figure if I go wheels up, it should fit in an overhead or at least it'll be close enough where if they have to check it, it'll be the free check. 
So uh, I'm going to go skating in North Carolina and, and hope I don't bust my ass. Folks, I hope this wasn't the, just the jinx comment. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited. Uh, I, was, I was on the fence about trying to get back out there just because I've been teaching a bunch. But uh, it's always nice to get to North Carolina and see Tim and Danny and the crew. And with the promotion, I also wanted to be like, all right, let me, let me go through this course again now because you know, the hope would be that I get to teach it at some point in the future. Um, so it's just going to be a nice break. And it's awesome. Chris is always asking if we could go skating. And I was like, this is the time we're going to be able to skate. So I'm excited. This, the next Friday, I'll be skateboarding in North Carolina um, with a smile on my face, hoping I don't die. Uh, yeah, but the, you won't die. I won't die. But the thing that I wanted to, that that was leading to was martial arts. What got you into martial arts? So comic books were the, were the, the initial thing. Um, what and watching um, all the action movies like with my dad he was like a huge Chuck Norris there was like a huge Chuck Norris fan and like Steven Seagal and all the Van Damme movies like all that stuff I was like five years old sitting on the couch with my dad watching all these rated R action movies and like it pretty much brainwashed me into being a martial artist <laughs> it's turned out well for you though yeah it's worked out so you've i know you've I, i've never been to one of your fights but you competed as in muay thai and you've competed in brazilian jiu-jitsu is there anything else in your background or are those the two main ones i know you're doing more general mma now and i don't mean general mma to make it sound easier but i guess i should say more rounded mma now um as opposed to one specific art but were there any other forms? Yeah, when I was a kid, I started off as uh, doing Taekwondo. I mean, I pretty much like every 80s, 90s kid did Taekwondo or karate kind of growing up for a little while anyway. Yeah. Um, did that for a minute. And then in college, I joined pretty much a cult. Um, and it was this art called Umyong Do. And it was supposed to be eight martial arts combined into one. And it was like, I don't know, red cool. And it was... It was, it was fun, but then it started to get very cultish to me. Um, so I stepped away from that and started doing Muay Thai, which was the farthest possible thing from a cult you could be. Um, I did Muay Thai starting in 2006, 7-ish, when I was up in Boston uh, at a place called Sityotung. Um, and then when I moved back to New York, that's when I joined Henzo Gracie Academy, and I started doing Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That was probably like 2008-ish, um, early 2008 or late 2007. Um, haven't really looked back since. Been doing it since then. And like uh, you had said, I've kind of changed into MMA right now. Um, I'm on the old end of like competitive combat sports at this point. So I'm trying to just get a couple of fights in this year. Um, you know, being a new dad, it'll probably be really hard. But I want to get one or two in. And then once I become like 36, I'll give it up because my body's going to not last very long. Um, but I don't want to be 46, 47 and regret never doing it. Um, at least once. So. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Not that I regret it, but yeah. Cause I got into all that stuff while well, you were getting into it in your twenties, I was getting into Muay Thai in my, my mid late thirties. And I always had the reluctance about trying to get into a fight. And then, and, and then I, I, I threw my name in the hat once and nobody, it, it, nobody, I didn't get an opponent. And I was just like, maybe that was a sign. I'm good. <laughs> I'm done. Um, <laughs> it's tough. It's hard on the body. Like any combat sports, just rough. Well, I was going to ask you, so for this, like in terms of what, makes you want to keep fighting especially now in like sort of a new realm with mma but i you know having known you like i know you've also had like pretty significant injuries as well um what keeps you motivated to keep wanting to challenge that versus sort of like sitting back and just getting you know focusing on the art and more of a practice way than a than an actual competition way um just i still have that desire to see how good I am against somebody else it's just like that competitive nature it's like I watch 
MMA on TV or something and like my adrenaline's going and my like leg starts jumping around and like even just sitting here talking about it my legs are twitching and like <laughs> rocking my entire kitchen table um it's like just a desire to get in there and like you know part of it is wanting to prove yourself like it's yeah. a you know you're getting into a like locked cage with like another person and it's like one of you guys is better than the other who's it gonna be at that day that time that moment and um that just draws me to it um yeah i don't know it's hard That's to put awesome. into words it's a lot of like feeling it's just like yeah yeah it's funny i i don't <clears throat> i i often get the thing i i have a, a heavy competition with myself I have a hard time applying that to wanting to, I think that's why I was never been in team sports really, you know, like I, I just have a, I, I, it's not so much about being better than somebody else in my head. It's like with myself. And I think that's just cause I was never brought up within sports. Um, it's also just like, I, am I getting better? And like the only way to yeah. really judge it is to put yourself up against somebody else. Um, or else you would never really know. It's also the same thing. Like, even when you're training with your same training partners all the time, um, you, you know, you never feel like you're actually getting any better. You just kind of, cause they're getting better too. It's yeah. and somebody strange kind of comes into the place or you go visit somewhere else. And you know, it's never, you don't want to test yourself to the point where like one of your training partners gets hurt, but like you get, you get the feeling of like, Oh, I am improving. And I think this is just a good way to like put your energies into it and like really go for it and just see how good you're getting that makes total sense it might be in my head too for me that since i've had pretty good injuries through skateboarding and whatnot that i guess in my head it's like i don't you know i'm never going to be as good on a skateboard as i was and i don't mean that to sound like downer or hopeless like it's just a reality i'm just not going to try so i don't have that part of it for me like the simple things now are like big big wins for me because <laughs> it's just like I'm not going to try to do like a double kick flip down like a four set of stairs anymore. That's just not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but I'll carve around a pool or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that, that level of fall and get back up just isn't quite there the same way. Or maybe it's just that the, it's not even that I'm afraid of getting hurt in terms of like the pain or the recovery. It's the impact on my career and my family that, that keeps me at bay. Although I sometimes, man, I, I miss that, that mission. I guess I, I, I can relate to it now that I'm actually talking. I'm starting to get <laughs> It sounds like you're pretty yeah, passionate about I'm it. I'm starting to remember like, they're like, you know, trying to charge something. Like there's one time, there's, there's a, there was a place in Greenpoint, Brooklyn called the Autumn Bowl. And I remember being there with a couple of friends. My, I think it was Chase and, and another friend. And I just kept trying to frontside grind the high wall. And I kept falling, kept falling, kept falling. And I finally got it. And then like, like a day or two later, I had a memory that like of the time I fell and hit my head real hard <laughs> and had to get like a little help up. And yet the night that it actually happened. So clearly I knocked myself out for a moment. Um, it wasn't long enough for people to be like, holy shit, Fury's like unconscious. But in that quest <laughs> to try to get this one little slash front side grind, I knocked myself out and, and kept going. So I guess I can relate to it. But now I'm like, want to go skate. I can't yeah, wait to spring. You should. Um, let's let, let's switch on to the, the last thing. And this actually just came to me when you, you started talking about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and, and, and Gracie. A lot of your team now is, is involved with martial arts. A lot of the Catalyst crew. Yeah. Um, and, and a little bit less about their martial arts environment. But one of the things I love about your spot, and this is another thing, the conversation that like Meg and Caitlin and I were having, is you know, you're a facility that allows a select number of independent trainers. Yes. And you know, I'm part of that crew. And what you've done with that, you know, if I, if I look outside of myself is you don't ha you didn't put yourself in a position where you have to apologize or correct or inform somebody for somebody doing something bad. Um, right. Like basically your staff is top notch and the people that come and train there are top notch. What was the approach in that? Was there an initial discussion? Like only like, you know, X number of friends, uh, you know, I know I've referred a couple of people to you um, to see if it would be, if it would work out. But in terms of not just the independent trainers, but of your staff, how did you um, build up the crew like Fabian and Paul? Well, I guess it's, you guys, we got to kind of start from the beginning there. Um, when we first opened, we, we had this vision of Catalyst being like the independent training spot of New York City. 
everybody's going to come to us to train because our spot's super cool and everybody's really chill and like you know we have heavy kettlebells and we can throw barbells on the floor um and then you know a month two months into it that just wasn't the case um you know we were super cool and everybody was chill but like there wasn't independent trainers like walking trying to bang down our door um but there was you know we had a good crew of people that were there like fabian was doing some sessions paul was doing some sessions um at the time our buddy long was there doing some sessions flex um, was doing some stash some sessions yeah, back then. before um uh shout out to trooper fitness you know they're yeah. over on 54th and second uh he's one of our really good friends he was doing sessions there um but then that was kind of it and uh then jason and i were like well how can we improve our efficiency and like the equity story of catalyst and we just decided to do semi-private training we dropped everybody into that and then we like okay well now we need some coaches and we asked paul and fabian and to see if like hey you guys don't have that many clients would you like to fill in teaching some of these kind of sessions that are semi-private and um they were like yeah sure um they started doing that and then we grew more we had to start looking around we put out feelers in like strong first um basic and and rkc and um all like the top-notch certifications out there and found a few people here and there through social media and like word of mouth um and we actually did have a couple of people that like we did have to apologize for and we're like hmm that person's not really on brand and doesn't really follow our fitness philosophy and like once they finished up with like the package that they had purchased we were just like hey sorry like we're um, not going to renew your packages and no hard feelings um just the way it is um and then going forward it was like we sit down with every trainer that wants to train out of the gym and you know talk about their philosophies and the, their background if we don't know them very well and uh we just have kind of like a vetting process that we we go through um well i'm, I'm grateful i made the cut yeah barely but you're there <laughs> um yeah it's been interesting to see and, and and i can never i was never able to tell because i know there was like history with a lot of the a, a lot of the guys with, with you guys prior uh, I could never tell like who started as an independent and then who started as a, as a, as an instructor, you know, like staff quote unquote. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was part of, because we try to bring in everybody that has a similar fitness philosophy to us and trains in a similar manner. I mean, you know, boot camps and stuff are great, but that's just not our fitness philosophy and the way we train. Um, so you don't really see much of that going on or like you don't see that type of trainer running around screaming while they're in the gym everybody's kind of like-minded and um keeps the atmosphere similar and you kind of put a uh, put the nail on the head there or head on the nail or whatever the hell it is um when you said you don't have to apologize to other people because we're super concerned about brand perception in the sense that we don't want somebody walking by to look in and be like what's that crazy shit going on like that looks super dangerous they don't know if they're an independent trainer or a catalyst coach so we just had to like weed out the things that we don't really um believe in i think it's so important i know that's always been something frustrating when i'm training at a place whether i'm staff or independent and there's somebody you know who also is independent and you know might have more experience might be might look more jacked but you can just see clear things that shouldn't be doing or you start to see the the, the copycatting of the things you do you know what i mean like it, it's pretty clear when somebody doesn't have an experience with kettlebells or something and then they're they're in a place where there's a lot of kettlebell training and suddenly without actually getting kettlebell training or instruction they start sharing it and you know it's that weird moment when a client goes, what's that person doing? That doesn't look right. And you're like stoked that your client recognizes it, but you're in the same facility, whether right. or not it's staff or not, it's like the same location. And I just wouldn't want to have those levels. You know, you're always going to have like, you know, uh, newer and more experienced, but in terms of overall, and, 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 you know, I mentioned this on the Jason, on Jason's podcast, you can't tell if I'm running one of your programs or you're running one of my programs generally 
Right. They just look almost the same. They look almost the same. Like sometimes we'll have like, there'll be five people on the floor doing dead bugs or slight versions of dead bugs <laughs> almost at the same time. Um, Cause we're all kind of coming at it from the same approach. And what I like about your place too is especially coming from Mark Fisher fitness, where it's all like very loud, bright, high, high intensity, you know, catalyst is chill. Sometimes it's almost too chill in the mornings. I'm like, holy shit. Hello. Yeah. Anybody? But it's chill and it's a nice break. And I think, you know, I can see how your members, you know, appreciate and have, you know, started to help make that part of the culture, you know, like it's just chill and it's the work gets done though. You know, like there's no false amping, you know, there's, yeah. eh, there's like maybe you heard like, you know, a couple of people try to like sort of falsely try to, grab attention here and there but overall okay everyone's like yo like i just did that 28k real subdued about it and i'm like do you realize what you just did and on the scale of how heavy that was like one of your um i'm, I'm horrible with people's names because i'm in and out and i don't see them that much but one of your one of your women clients did a 28k gay 28k get up super Tara. smooth what was it Tara. yeah super smooth and I was like, holy shit, where the person, um, someone was waiting on Kathy and was like, what is that bell? A 20K? He <laughs> was like, no, that was a 28. And just the appreciation of what that is. But she was just like, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> it wasn't like, and I just would be like, I took a moment actually to say, hey, and be like, you know, just on the scale of getups. Um, that was awesome. And she's like a, you know, average sized chick. You know, well, not- not super muscular, not like really tall, not a big woman, just like an average sized person. Well, you have a lot of women and men that are just very strong. I mean, it goes to your brand and your training philosophies that are very strong. Um, I know, I think I asked, I think it was you or maybe it might've been Fabian. You had two women one session that I asked if they were like, you know, instructors, like if they were like, you know, SFGs or RKCs coming in to, to prep for stuff. And it's just like, no, they're just real strong. <laughs> I don't know that oh, yeah, there's there's definitely many many people that we train that are you know instructor level with their skills and you know they do not necessarily they not have the eye or the the curing abilities but they could definitely pass technique tests yeah and, and you know it's funny the eye and the in the queuing things you know if we use June as an example June made so much progress towards her RKC training with me at your place, uh, you know, for the last four months or so, almost five months. And she pins herself very much so as an enthusiast and, and not a coach. And I'm like, well, you're, I, I know you're going to crush this course. And, you know, I think she went in there thinking she maybe would get all the strength stuff. But what she did amazing was she did great on the coaching part, you know? And, and I think there's a, it speaks also to the team that the members are able to absorb the information as opposed to just being told what to do because that, that is a style of like this is why we do something as opposed to just do this because it's a cool exercise and i said so um that it translates over so i think you'd probably be surprised if you threw them in an hkc that they they'd probably excel yeah for sure yeah so you know i have an X- hkc at mff bowery on <laughs> August 18th. Uh, just kidding. I know uh, we have our own RKC. We have an RKC coming up October, uh, ooh, is it 26th, 27th, or 27th, 28th? And we have two people signed up. And for, for October, like that's that's a ways away. So I'm stoked. We just sold out this one, you know, a few times over, kept adding spot, spots at Momentum. So I'm, I'm really excited to see the turnout for this one. Um, well, as we've been talking for almost an hour and 15 minutes now, let's chat about this. Um, where would you like to see Catalyst be in five years? Like, what's your five-year goal for the spot? Uh, location number two. Yeah? Are, are, is it actively being pursued right now, or is it still? Stuff's being discussed. Yeah? Do you want to open in Brooklyn? Uh, no, because we don't want to interfere in Fury Industries over there. Do you want to have a catalyst by Fury Industries? <laughs> it's basically what I'm saying, Joe. Give me a spot. What I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, we're open for any discussions. Discussions <laughs> are the way to go. Uh, catalyst by Fury or Fury by Catalyst. It'll be like a Calvin Klein. Um, <laughs> <mad>. <laughs> um, 
Hey, I love you, Joe. I love you too, Fury. Uh, where can the listeners find out more about you or about Catalyst? Catalystsport.com. Awesome. Uh, on the socials, anything? Catalyst Sport on Instagram. And I think if you just search Catalyst Sport on Facebook, you'll find us. Awesome. Can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Yes. Everybody, die mighty. <laughs> the other thing you'll notice is Joe is very chill and I'm not. So we're a good combination <laughs> together. It's one of the things that I love about our conversations. Um, hey, Joe, I love you for reals. Um, and uh, I'm very grateful for all the, you know, for Catalyst being a part of the family. Uh, I'm stoked that I was there on day one helping uh, unload some stuff. Yeah, and just some shit. <laughs> seeing where you guys have come, uh, I'm just really happy and proud of you as, as friends and peers. And I look forward to uh, that second location and to uh, doing more courses and, and just hanging out with you, man. All right. I miss you. Love you. See you soon. <laughs> I'll see you. Oh, actually, I'll see you Tuesday. <laughs> uh, hey, listeners. Thanks for checking us out. Have a good one. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by The FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com, that's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A, or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.